The following is a presentation of Remnant. Hi, this is Jerry from Remnant. Let's be honest, this life can be hectic, draining, and downright confusing. My hope is that by listening to this message, your life can be impacted by God's great love for you. And His love will give you wisdom, courage, and strength. Thanks for listening. You're listening to a message from Pastor Jerry Godsey. Get your Bible turned to John chapter 14. We're continuing our series on the book of John. And again, if you've missed any of this series, you, it's, it's all available on our website. And I uh, really, really encourage you to check it out. Some good stuff on the book of John. Here's all the, ha- the social media stuff for today. At Jerry Godsey, hashtag Facing Jesus, hashtag Way Truth Life, at Remnant Church. And uh, we encourage you, as always, to use your social media during the message. Instagram it. Put it on your Facebook page. Uh, In fact, put it on your Facebook page and let Mark Zuckerberg just deal with it. I never thought I would feel bad for Mark Zuckerberg, the head of Facebook, but I did this week. Because, man, they were savage to that dude. It didn't help that he was sitting on a little booster seat. You're testifying, testifying before Congress and you're sitting on a booster seat. Yeah, it's not a good look, brother. Not a good look. Anyway, nuts to him. Uh, John, <laughs> so here's the stuff for today. Let's pray. God, thanks. Father, I pray that you will open our hearts this morning, Father. Lord, because today's issue is critical to our faith. This is the whole linchpin of our faith today, God. I pray that you'll open our hearts, that you'll strip away preconceived notions, and that you'll do something great in us today. Thanks, Father. We'll ask it in your name. Amen. Look at John chapter 14, starting at verse 1. I love this first verse. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I love that. There's more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you'll always be with me where I am, and you, will know, and you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Good old Thomas. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would, known, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him. And have seen him. Verse 6 is really where we're going to spend all our time today. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. In 2010, Kathleen Parker wrote an article about Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham. Franklin Graham was removed from the National Day of Prayer because of something that he had said. He had said that Muslims need to be saved. That Muslims need to be saved in order to go to heaven. And that, of course, angered the president at the time. 
And he removed him from the National Day of Prayer at the Pentagon. And so Kathleen Parker wrote an article, and this is what she wrote. She said, Graham's offense was expressing his belief that only Christians have God's ear, that Islam is evil, and that Muslims and Hindus don't pray to the same God he does. Well, he's right. This is what, then he bar, they double down, this is what he said. They got him in trouble. No elephant with a hundred arms can do anything for me, Graham told USA Today. Talking about one of the five main Hindu deities. None of their 9,000 gods is going to lead me to salvation. We are fooling ourselves if we think we can have some big kumbaya service and all hold hands and it's all going to get better in this world. It's not going to get better. Catherine Franklin, Kathleen Franklin pointed out that Graham's views don't sit well with secular Americans or even non-evangelical Christians. I have no doubt in my mind that Franklin knew, Franklin Graham knew exactly that. That when he said that, it was not going to sit well with people who don't know Jesus or people who know him in a different way. Let's look, look what, and it's going to be on the board here. Look at, look at what Parker says. Evangelicals under 30 believe there are many ways to God, not just through Jesus. That's evangelicals. Those are people who sit in remnant. Those are people who go to First Baptist. Those are people who go to evangelical churches that believe the way Remnant believes. And they, a lot of them, look what it says, many ways to God, not just through Jesus. She quoted a survey that showed that nearly two-thirds of evangelicals under 35 believe that non-Christians can go to heaven. I don't know what they're smoking, but... That's, uh... The clincher comes near the end of the column. She says this, transcending the notion that only some prayers are the right ones might get us closer to the enlightenment we purportedly seek. That Franklin, Franklin, baby, if you would just recognize that everybody, it's the big tent theory. Brett Cofford wrote an article in the paper about the big tent theory. That, that God's going to let all these religions in. And I wrote an article back and said, no, because... It, and basically he, what he said was, who are Christians that think they're the only way to God? And I answered back and said, we're, it's not Christians that are the only way to God, it's Jesus that's the only way to God. If I show up at Jack Murphy Stadium with skee-ball tickets I won at Chuck E. Cheese and asked to get into a Padre game which I would only go to a Padre game if they were playing the Dodgers. But anyway. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy, easy. But if I show up, I just lost Steve too. Yeah. Time to go home. If, if I show up at Jack Murphy Stadium or Pico, whatever they call it now, I don't care. Anyway, if I show up with Chuck E. Cheese skee-ball tickets and say, let me in, and they say, well, no, that's not a ticket to the game. Well, wait a second. Who are you to say? whether I can get in with my ticket. Who are you to be so, oh, you can't get in. You know what? It's their team. They own the stadium. They get to say who gets in. You can believe in the big tent theory all you want. Well, God's going to let everybody. If you've got a sincere heart, God's going to let you into heaven. No, that's not what John 14, 6 says. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one 
comes the Father except through me. No one. So we're going to talk about this morning, about that this morning. Why, why are we so emphatic on saying that, that we are the right way, we have the right way? And I'm not talking about doctrinal differences between churches. I'm talking about what did Jesus say? I would be kicked out of some churches because of the way I'm dressed this morning. And you know what? You know, I thought I was the comedian. I didn't know that there was all this kibitzing going on. Look at this quote again. <laughs> trying, to, trying to get back control of the congregation. Transcending the notion that only some prayers of the right ones might get us closer to the enlightenment we purportedly seek. And we, enlightenment sounds really hip, doesn't it? Oh, I'm enlightened. Yeah. Like, I know my stuff. I'm enlightened. The word enlightenment, the, tr- the light of truth breaking into the darkness, driving away the old superstitions. If you think that praying and that Jesus is the only way is a superstition, you're in the wrong church. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Franklin Graham didn't back down. Just not too long after he got removed, he said this in Newsweek, I am who I am. I don't believe that you can get to heaven through being a Buddhist or Hindu. I think Muhammad only leads to the grave. Now that's what I believe, and I don't apologize for my faith. And if it's divisive, I'm sorry. Theologian Al Mohler kind of weighed in, and he said, Kathleen Parker's column is indeed revealing, but the most revelatory aspect of her essay is its unmasked hostility toward any belief that there is only one way of salvation. The column by Kathleen Parker is yet another signpost of the current age and the worldview of the secularized classes. In their view, what evangelicals believe about the gospel of Jesus Christ is just out of bounds and embarrassing. I have been in situations where people wanted me to apologize for my faith. I'm not going to do it. Sorry. Sorry. I love God too much. He's done too much for me, for me to back off and say, oh, you know, I'm sorry if... if and and I'm, I'm not talking about being purposely offensive. I'm not talking about walking up to people and, you know, you don't even want... You're going to hell! I'm not talking about that. See, that is divisive. And that is, well, that'll get you punched in the eye. Somebody will offer you free dental work. But when you take a stand for Christ and people don't like it, oh well. I've had people come after I've written a newspaper column that basically said the same thing. Well, Jerry, you just don't know. Maybe not, but I know what the Bible says. And the Bible says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets the Father except through him. I didn't write that. I didn't make that up. I'm not misinterpreting it. It's a pretty strong statement. So how did we get here? How did this happen? Well, we live in a shrinking world. I think the internet has changed a lot of this. I grew up in Los Angeles, and I moved down here my sophomore year of high school. This was back in the dark ages, before MTV and... Before TV. <laughs> no. 
School, we're still writing on clay tablets. Um, so in L.A., we dressed a certain way. I was wearing, don't, you will laugh, but it was cool then. I Trust me, it was cool then. Growing up in L.A., in South Central L.A., we were wearing, you know, disco stuff before disco was really big. You know, the, yeah, the cool-looking, sh- you know, shirts. And the, I get down here, I'm wearing polyester pants to school, you know, and, and I got all the cool stuff going on in L.A. I look like somebody's grandpa <laughs> for the first, like, month and a half I'm going to school down here because I didn't know how people down here dressed, and they didn't know how people in L.A. dressed, so they just thought I was stupid. I had to buy wallabies. And I had to buy Levi's 501s. And I had to buy hang 10 shirts in order just to survive school. Today, that doesn't work. Because today, you watch television, you watch MTV, you see all these things, and all, man, you get the latest fashions right away. I guess. I'm still trying to figure out why LL Cool J lifted up one pants leg on his sweats. And then everybody said, you know what, that's cool. <laughs> no, he was riding his bike and it was getting caught in the chain and so he lifted the pants and he forgot to put it back down. <laughs> next thing I know, honest to goodness, next thing I know, kids in my youth group are showing up and they got one pants leg lifted up and I said, you're just dumb. No, no, Jerry, this is cool. You don't know, you're old. <laughs> Whatever. I know you look dumb with one leg showing and, one, and not the other one. Things change. We, we, we live in a global society now. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. I'm not one of those guys that's going to pine for the old days. Because the old days weren't great for everybody. In fact, in the old days, there would be one shade of face in this church. I don't like that. I don't see anywhere where that's biblical. I think Jesus said, open the doors and said, y'all come. And whoever God sends, that's who we minister to. And I don't care about your race. I don't care about your ethnicity. I don't care, I don't care if you lift one pants leg up. <laughs> Maybe I care about that a little bit. <laughs> but you know what? It's time for us to adopt Jesus' attitude and embrace this global world we're living in. Think about the opportunities. This morning... We're broadcasting on YouTube, and people in Japan can watch us, and people in Africa can watch us right now, or any time down the road, they can pull up our YouTube channel, and they can watch our videos, and they can see what God is doing. I embrace that. I don't have to worry about just preaching to 10 people. I can preach to millions. That's great. Let's embrace that. People of different ethnicities and people of different backgrounds and and all kinds of things live in your neighborhoods. Embrace that. But tell them about Jesus. The great thing about America is that God brings all these people together in one place. Look at your money. E pluribus unum. Out of many, one. I love that idea. Here's the thing, though. They have their religions. They have their ways of believing. 
But if they're contrary to what Jesus said, it's not my job to say that that's okay with God. God will handle whether that's okay. All I know is that my job is to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I love it when people say, oh, well, all all religions go to heaven. Really? Because here's the thing. If somebody says all religions are equal, there are two things you can guess. Number one, they don't know what they're talking about. And number two, they haven't really studied anyone's religion very closely. I guarantee you, if you ask a Christian scholar and a Muslim scholar, if there were any differences between their religions, they'd say, yeah, quite a bit. If you ask a Buddhist scholar and a a Muslim scholar, if there are any differences between theirs, they'd say, yeah, quite a bit. And on and on and on and on and on. And here's the thing. It really comes down to that, my, my theology professor called it the a priori assumption, the beginning assumption. Is there a God? Is there a God? If we can't get to that beginning place, then we really have nothing to talk about. If there's a God, what does he tell us about himself? How did he reveal himself? Well, what does the Bible actually say? What does the Bible actually say about that? God does tell us a lot about himself. The whole Bible is full of God talking about, here's who I am, here's what I am, here's what I, what I, what I require of the people who are going to call themselves by my name. Make no mistake about it, you don't have to be a Christian today. You don't. Nobody's going to hold a gun to your head and make you be a Christian. If you want to go to heaven... That narrows down your choices. Okay? So what does the Bible actually say? Look at John 14, 6 again. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That is an utterly exclusive claim by Jesus that he's the way in. Without him and apart from him, there's no way to the Father in heaven. If you decide Jesus is not for you, God doesn't have a plan B for you. If you decide, I'm just not going to, I don't want to follow Jesus. He's got all these, these things, like I have to love my neighbor and stuff. I'm not going to do that. That's stupid. All right? Look, your choice. There's no plan B. There's no, like, getting around it by helping little ladies across the street. And earning up brownie points in heaven. That doesn't work that way. This is so personal, isn't it? Jesus isn't saying that we're not saved by religion or by the church, but by Jesus himself. Coming to remnant won't make you a Christian. I mean, it's a good step. If you listen, we'll help you. Coming to remnant doesn't ensure that you're going to go to heaven. Living for Jesus in that personal way, that's what ensures you go to heaven. I've said it a million times. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Going to McDonald's doesn't make you a Big Mac. Cover your head with sesame seeds, rub secret sauce all over your body. You are not a Christian. You may be a weirdo, but you're not a Christian. 
making sounds with your mouth, and sleeping in the garage doesn't make you a Ferrari. It might make you you go, though. (laughs) Jesus didn't say, I know the way. He said, I am the way. Now, he wasn't the only one that that followed that up. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Peter says, "There there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under which, under heaven, by which we must be saved. Get the feeling they're kind of narrowing that down a little bit? 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 11, Paul writes, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. What is Christianity based on? Jesus Christ. What is our faith in him based on? The fact that he said, I am the way, truth, and the life. Does that make sense? So if you've somehow gathered up in your, in your, in your people have taught you and you've believed it, that, that you know, there's all kinds of ways to heaven, you need to adjust your thinking right now, right here. There is no way to heaven except through Jesus. No way. Put it this way. No other way. No other name. No other foundation. Jesus didn't say, I know the way. But rather, I am the way. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 says... There is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. Not many gods, not many mediators, not a few, one. The man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. See, because of our sins have separated us from God, we need a mediator to bring us back to God. And Jesus is the only one who could bridge that gap. What gap? The sin gap. Anybody hear sin? Go ahead, raise your hand. It's not like we don't know. It's not like, you know, well, if my neighbor might see I raise my hand, then I'll know I'll sin. Trust me, we know you sin. Do you know that I sin? See, I really thought there'd be a more emphatic yes than that from you guys. Oh, yeah, we know, Jerry. Yeah, no, no, we got no, got no doubt about that. Because of our sin, we are separated from God. But Jesus bridges that gap, that sin gap for us. We accept him when we, when we follow after him, when we allow him to change our lives. He bridges that gap between us. He's our mediator. He's the one who says, okay, he goes to his father. Hey, dad. Talking about God. Hey, God, dad. Uh, Jerry Godsey sinned today. And uh, I know he's stupid, but it happens. But see, I died on the cross and my blood covers that. And he's asked for forgiveness, so dad, you got to forgive him. Pretty cool. Now, don't, you know, don't do like my cousin. My cousin stole a, was going to steal a candy bar from a liquor store once. I said, Mitch, you can't steal a candy bar. It's a sin. He says, no, no, we'll steal it and then we'll ask God to forgive us. I don't think it works that way. Only Jesus, this perfect Son of God, could offer himself for our sins. 
Look at what R.C. Sproul wrote. Moses could mediate on the law. Muhammad could brandish a sword. Buddha could give personal counsel. Confucius could offer wise sayings. But none of these men was qualified to offer an atonement for the sins of the world. 1 John 4.10 This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. The God of the Bible is an utterly exclusive God. The God of the Bible does not say, there are a lot of ways for you to find me. No. The only way to find God is through his son Jesus. And please, please don't get that twisted. See, that is not a popular teaching. When this video, I mean, if I say something like that on one of my newspaper columns or I say something like that on my blog, people get crazy. Okay, don't believe it. But I know how to get to Jesus. God has no competitors. And here's the thing. People will say, well, if you sincerely believe, it doesn't matter what you believe. If you're sincere in your belief. Uh, no. Do you how, in law enforcement, do you know how many times we've run into people that sincerely believed that what they were doing wasn't wrong even though the law specifically forbid it? Kind of happens that way. Sincerity in religious matters is never enough. Believing the wrong thing doesn't make it right. If you were to say, pick up rat poison, and say, I really believe this rat poison won't kill me, and then drink it, I won't do your funeral. Jeremiah might, but I won't. I'll come. I'll stand in the back and say, man, was they stupid. If you sincerely believe that two plus two is five, I mean, you really sincerely believe it? First of all, you're probably not good at math. And it doesn't change the fact that even though you're sincere about it, you're still wrong. There are a lot of people, I don't doubt the sincerity of people that follow other religions. I don't. It doesn't change the fact that they are sincerely wrong. Truth is narrow. If you're a teacher and you write two plus two on the, on the board and somebody says, I really believe that's seven. What do you tell them? No. Count it out in your fingers. One, two, three, four. No. One, two, seven. No. No. And you may be eating too many paint chips. No. Two plus two is four. No matter how you count it out, it's four. And there's new math now but new math still, 2 plus 2 equals 4. They may get there in a different way. You've got to count 10 minus 5. I don't know how they do it. It makes me crazy. I don't care. It's still 4. So how do we communicate this to other people? How do we tell this to other people and not sound like we're telling them, you're going to hell? Christians have always believed that Jesus is the only way to heaven. But how do we communicate that to people? How do we let people know that and not sound like we're beating them over the head with a stick? Let me give you some rules here. Number one, 
don't be afraid of someone who doesn't share your point of view. I got news for you. When I said that thing about the prodigies, little guy, a lot of you didn't share my point of view. You have every right to be wrong. Although this year it doesn't look like you are because the Dodgers are not doing well. Look, people that don't share my point of view, that's great. That's fine. We can talk about it. We can discuss it. Don't be afraid of your Muslim coworker or your Hindu neighbor. I actually have had Christians say, I'm afraid to talk to people of other faiths. Why? It's not, they're gonna st- it's not like they're going to stab you or bite you or anything. And if they do, it's not their religion. They just got other issues. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid to strike up a conversation with a student who has no religion whatsoever. A student, a neighbor, maybe they don't have any religion whatsoever and they think that when you die, that's it. It would be a depressing way to live, wouldn't it? Like if this was really all there was, I mean, I, I enjoy my life, but I'm really looking forward to heaven where I won't have bum knees anymore and you know, things will be perfect. I might even have hair. Look at this last one. Too many Christians fit the stereotype of being all mouth and no ears. We talk, but we don't listen. If while you're sharing your faith with somebody, all you're doing is thinking about the next thing you're going to say to counter their arguments, you're not listening. Listen to them. Hear their hearts. In fact, if you go back on our website, we have a whole series on how to share your faith. Jeremiah, what was that called? That series on how to share your faith? We just did like a year ago. It's on our website. Go look it up. How will you ever befriend someone if you don't get to know them first? See, that's why I, I, I hate the idea of just handing out gospel tracts. You're just walking down the street, you hand somebody a gospel tract. Really, all you're doing is saying, here, you throw this away. <laughs> Truth flows through relationships. If you know me, and you care about me, and I know you, and I care about you, the truth will flow through that. Otherwise, I'm just some dude on a street corner shouting at people. Close your mouth, open your ears, listen intently, and let God lead the conversation. Quit worrying about what you're going to say next and concentrate on God wants, what God wants you to say next. Isn't that a better way? You know, we try so many things. You know, we have the, the four spiritual laws handout, and, and we had this, this uh, way of... of one of the churches I was a youth pastor at they had this way, this, this, this group of things you're supposed to say to people when you lead them to the Lord. You know, if I give you this watch, the guy's all excited now because he's getting a watch. Well, no, I'm not giving him the watch. It's just something to say. We were on one of those things and, and we were on one of these witnessing trips and I was with one of the guys and the, the, the person we're talking to asks a question and the dude who's trying to lead this dude to the Lord says, Let's ask questions later. What did he just tell the guy? 
look, I've got to get through my spiel and then we can talk. But until then, what you have to say really doesn't matter. By the way, this also works with husbands and wives. Husbands, a little hint from your Uncle Jer, when you're talking, close your mouth, <laughs> open your ears, <laughs> listen intently, and please, please let God lead the conversation. <laughs> I say that from uh, personal experience. Praise you listen, but not just for an open door so you can share Christ. Listen and learn. Ask questions. Seek understanding. The great example is BBI Uganda. We thought we, had, we thought we knew what they do. They came in last week, and we thought that they helped build water, water wells in Uganda. That's great. No, they're doing more than that. They're buying goats for people. And then the goats are like a multiplication effort in, in these villages. And they're buying, and they're buying um, pillowcase dresses for little girls because a lot of little girls are, are basically exposed and they're easy to take advantage of. So they're making pillowcase dresses for them. They're doing all of these other things. I thought they just did water. If I hadn't listened to them, I wouldn't know that. I would have no idea. Show yourself friendly. God will open doors for you that you would never open on your own. Okay, so that's how we communicate it. But how do we live? How should we live so that people see and hear from us what will draw them to Jesus? We're not living in our own little insulated village anymore. We're on a global stage. So how do we live that way? How do we, how do we share with people who don't believe what we believe? How do we open that up? Not just with our words, but with our lives. Because look, if all you have are words, sorry, words are cheap, aren't they? I could declare myself right now the king of the United States. You may bow down. And you're all thinking, yeah, and you may go hurt yourself. Right now, I'm the king of America. See? Now some of you are glad you were, some of you in the back, you're not, you're glad, you're not, now you're worried that you weren't nice to me a minute ago. Oh no, he's the king. I can't be mean to the king. Just saying I'm the king doesn't mean I'm the king. But if next Sunday I come in here and I've got a whole group of people behind me and you read and watch on CNN and say, hey, we didn't even know it was possible, but America has a king. He's a fat, bald guy that lives in Boulevard. Now you'd say, oh, well, okay. And when I walk in, there'd be like people throwing roses in front of me and stuff. I'd probably wear a cape, have a cool scepter. I'm liking this idea. See, it's the actions that prove the words. In your life, your actions will prove your words. Words are cheap. So where do you begin? Number one, ground yourself in the Word of God. Make sure you know what you believe. One of the amazing things that happens in, when you're in law enforcement, or even if you're just watching television, if you watch live PD, 
It's amazing how many people are lawyers. I know my rights. And then they, begin to, they go on to say things that absolutely are not their rights. And you just look at them and say, well, you're special kind of stupid, aren't you? I know my rights. No, you don't, or you wouldn't have said that. Christians do it all the time. We tell people, we're going to tell people about Jesus, and we don't know anything about him. We've been studying the book of John because it, it shows who Jesus is. Man, dig into this stuff. Because look, we've only scratched the surface of what John had to, what John had to memorize, or what John had to offer. There's so much more there. Read your Bible. Don't just read it, study it, learn it, memorize it. Find out what it really teaches. I've said all this today. I've given you scriptures, it's been on there on the PowerPoint. Look, go home and make sure I'm saying the right thing. I could be totally wrong. I'm not, but it's possible. And how do you know if you don't check it out? Do you know how cults start? We watched a thing a couple of weeks ago about Jonestown in, in, where they had that church and then they went to Guyana and all those people died. Cults start out almost always the same way. They give you enough truth that you don't say, oh, wait a second. They give you enough truth and then they slowly turn it away. Cults are always going to give you enough of Jesus to make you feel, okay, yeah, that's good. And then they'll start telling you things that totally aren't scriptural, but it's the way the preacher interpreted it. If you can't check it out, out against the book, it doesn't belong. I, I encourage you, check out everything I say. Check out everything Jeremiah says. Anything you, heard taught, you hear taught from this music, I was going to say pulpit, but it's a music stand. Anything you hear taught from here, you need to check it out. Don't let us just spoon feed you stuff. We might have had a bad week or indigestion or something. Buy a good study Bible and then use it. Do what the Bible says. Study to show yourself approved. I want to I encourage you to read a couple of books here. Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Cannot, cannot recommend that high enough. Basic Christianity by John Stott and Know What You Believe by Paul E. Little. Those are great books. Great books. They talk about how to know what you believe. It's not enough just to say we know. We have to know. You ever somebody say they know how to work on cars? Then you look at them and they don't know how to work on cars. I was watching my son, my grandson's uh, Little League game the other day. Pretty funny to watch. Playing minor B. It's pretty funny. And we played against a team the other night who had really good coaching. And it was obvious. I mean, they had some kids who were really... I mean, they're, they're seven and eight years old. There's some kids who are some really studs. And then... We had Soren's team. Not quite so much. And the coaches are great guys. They really are. They're donating their time. But I'm not 
not sure they're as much baseball guys as the other, the other coaches from the other team. See, just, just being there, you, you got to know. You got to know. Second thing, be bold with a smile on your face. Many of us fail right here. We get angry and bothered when someone disagrees with us and the joy of the Lord is replaced with the wrath of God on our countenance. I'd like to tell you about Jesus. What? You're an atheist? Don't you know? I'm like, dude, time out. Back up. I, uh, I, need, to, I need to go change the air in my tires or something. I've got to get out of here. I'm not listening to you. Jonathan Edwards years ago preached, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. It's a great title. You read the message, it's a great message. But man, our job is not to dangle people like hot dogs over the fires of hell. And somehow we got this idea that we're going to harangue people and we're going to yell at them and we're going to make them feel bad about themselves and that's how they're going to get to know Jesus. You show me one place in the Bible where Jesus did that. Jesus loved people. Jesus went to sinners' houses for lunch. You know who he got mad at? He got mad at the religious folk who were religious, but they didn't follow God. And there's a difference. Because religious just means you're going through the motions. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. You're never going to argue somebody into the kingdom of God. Just not going to. Anybody here come to Jesus because somebody argued with you? Anybody here come to Jesus because somebody made you feel just like, you know, mouse poop or something? No. We came, most of us come to Jesus because the Holy Spirit convicts us and he does that through the people that are around us that we love. Therefore, we must, be under, we must be gentle under pressure and kind even when pushed to the limit. We've got to be patient with people who have a different way of looking at things than we do. We need to be, we need to be emissaries of God's grace as we're dealing with people who don't understand God's grace. The old, there was the old saying back in the 70s, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? When people look at your life, do they see Jesus? That's our goal. It's what we should be all about. Speak the truth or the feeling you have to pressure others into agreeing with you. I don't think... I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I one-to-one witness to somebody that the very first time I witnessed to them, they became a Christian. Maybe I'm good at it. No, more often than not, it was over time showing them the love of Jesus and telling about them about what God was doing in my life. More often than not, that's the way people came to know Jesus. And here's the other thing you need to realize. Number one, or number three, realize that people are spiritually hungry. There's a reason why people are buying into these other religions. There's a reason why people get all these, you know, 
mood stones and, and they're, they're following all these Eastern religions and, you know, we're going to cross our legs. I can't, I can't do, I couldn't be uh, like a, one of those, with a Buddhist or something where you have to cross your feet and meditate, cross your legs. And med- I can't cross my legs. My knees are bad. So I just have to like, if I did, you would hear me saying, it wouldn't be, mm, it would be, ow. The incredible religious diversity, tes- diversity testifies to the hunger that's inside every heart. Everybody is hungry for Jesus. They just don't always know that's what it is. There is a God-shaped vacuum in every man. There's a hole in our hearts. And Jesus is the only thing that can fill it. And we'll try all kinds of things. Drugs, popularity, work, being powerful, alcohol, sex, all of these things. We'll try and fill all those things. We'll try and plug everything we can into that hole to fill that hole. But nothing fills it like Jesus. And just remember that some of the people you're going to speak to, some of the people you're going to share Jesus with, they're dying to have that hole filled. They just don't know that Jesus is the one that fills it. They're not bad. They just don't Jesus. They're not against you. They just don't understand what Jesus can do for them. Maybe they are against you, but it's because they don't understand. I wrote a column about Bill Maher, the guy on HBO, and he released a movie called Religious. And he really, really went after Christians. And he has a high disdain for Christians. And in the column I wrote, I said, you know what? I'm not mad at Bill Maher. Bill Maher is ignorant. And before you take offense at that word, ignorant means they don't know. Bill Maher is ignorant of what Jesus can do in his life. And he chooses to lash out at people who follow it rather than accept the truth. I'm not mad at Bill Maher. My heart breaks for him. Because he doesn't know Jesus. I'm not mad at people who, who, who aren't Christians today. I'm not mad at them. My heart breaks for them. Because they don't know my Savior. And until they know Jesus, they're not going to understand. There are two things we must not do. Attempt to convert others by force or threat or intimidation. And stand by and refuse to speak up for what we really believe. I've never been a timid person. So when somebody says, well, do you believe in God? Yep. And that's put me on the wrong side of people sometimes. Okay. And? Because I'm not going to turn my back on what Jesus did for me. I'm not going to be quiet. I'm not going to be offensive. But I'm not going to sugarcoat it either. You guys have been coming here long enough, you know I don't sugarcoat stuff. I don't have time. I don't have time to to be mamby-pamby about Jesus. See, if Jesus is truly the only way, the most loving thing is to share that with others. If Jesus is the only way, and we just, I laid the case that he is, 
then the most loving thing I could do for my friends, my family, the people around me is to share that. And the worst thing you can do is keep it to yourself. If you've got a cure for baldness and you don't share it with me, you hate me. If you have a magic wand that can make fat people thin and you're not waving it at me, shame on you, you hate me. If you've got a friend who is going to hell and you don't share Jesus with them, shame on you. You hate them. Penn Jillette of, of Penn & Teller, the big tall comedian, or the big tall magician, he's an atheist, hardcore atheist. But somebody gave him a Bible. And I would love to tell you that he read it and became a Christian. No. But here's what he said. He said, that person was a true Christian because they risked Penn's uh, ridicule by giving him a Bible. And he said, but this guy was sincere because he really believed that, that bad things are going to happen to me if I don't follow his, his religion. And he said, if you truly believe in Jesus, why aren't you doing the same thing? Those are words from an atheist. He gets it. Sometimes we don't. We're so worried about being nice or we're worried about what people think about us or say about us that we hold it in and we're letting our friends die and go to hell. Hey, we're not playing marbles here. This is for, all, this is for the whole thing. This is live and die. And you need to get that through your heads that when, when you have a chance to share Jesus, that's live or die. God's heart is wide. The way to life is narrow. And both of those things are true. God loves everybody. I have some of my youth components when I said that God loved Adolf Hitler. God couldn't love Adolf Hitler. Sure. He hated the sin in his life. But he sent Jesus to die for Adolf Hitler just as much as he sent him to die for Jerry Godsey. Jesus died for the people in ISIS. Jesus died for all the people that are not following him. Jesus died for them. He loves them. He, he died for them. But we think that somehow we're above that? That we don't have to share love with people like that? I'm going to give you a really... God sees rule for who you should share your faith with. Are you ready for this? This is mind-boggling. Here's who to share your faith with. If they have a pulse, share your faith with them. If they're dead, it's probably too late. Victor is going to be teaching all dead students. That's an old story. That's a... Okay? Do you have a pulse? You're alive? You're breathing and everything? Then I need to share Jesus with you. Steve, you got a pulse? It's weakening, but you. <laughs> you, started with, you started with the Padres and then you went up the It's true. I did get to Steve twice today. You got a pulse? I do. Then I got to share Jesus with Steve. See, it's really that simple. You know anybody in your life has got a pulse? Now, if they, again, if they've died and they're off in the corner, eh, it's probably too late. 
Unless you know CPR, then you can witness to them while you're giving them CPR. Five words that you need to know about how to get to heaven. Five words. You ready? Only Jesus and Jesus only. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I lied. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I lied. You know what? It's Jesus. And Jesus only. And only Jesus. How do you get to heaven? Only Jesus. Jesus only. That's it. He's the one. You want to find your way to the Father's house? You've got to have the right map, and that map is Jesus. The message today will not be popular, not even with some Christians. Christians who have watered down the gospel where they think that, you know, anything they believe supersedes the Bible. Here's the thing. If the Bible says this is sin, it's sin. It may not be popular, it may not be, you know, may not make everybody have the warm fuzzies, but if it's sin, it's sin. And if Jesus is the only way, and I think I've made a pretty good case that he is, then there's no other way. You can say all you want to, but I know my rights. Eh, not really. But I know a better way. Mm, not really. It's only Jesus. Jesus only. Let's pray. God, thank you. It's so easy for us to get caught up in the attitudes of the world. So easy for us to somehow think, Lord, that everybody's going to follow you, that everybody's going to, you know, however, if they're just sincere, God, that you're going to let them into heaven. But God, that's not what you say. Father, I pray for us to have boldness. Boldness that is covered in love and grace. Not anger, not condemnation, but God, love and grace. Father, speak through us to those that are lost and hurting. They have a God-shaped vacuum in their lives and, and we just got to take them to you and let you fill it. Thank you for that. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you've never accepted him, now's your time. You're here for a reason. And the reason is so that you could accept Jesus and, your, and turn your life around. Let him turn your life around. So if that's you this morning, we're going to pray and we're going to sing another song. And when we do, just go to him and say, okay, God, I accept you. I don't understand all of it yet, but I accept you. I want to be your child. I want to live for you. Some of you, though, this morning, you've been Christians a long time. And in being a Christian a long time, you've kind of lost that fervor. You've kind of lost that, that, that desire to, to really lead people to Jesus. 
you need to show them what Jesus is all about. You need to show the people in your lives, the people you work with, they need to know what Jesus is all about and they're going to look at your life to find it. So if that's you this morning, I want you during this last song to just totally devote yourself to Jesus. God, I'm going to do whatever you ask. Change me, Lord. Make me new. And then watch what happens. And trust me, it will be amazing. But more than anything, don't walk out of here the same today. If you're making a, a decision for Jesus today, talk to me, talk to Jeremiah. We would love to help you with next steps and, and, and talk through what, what's going on. Trust me, it is good stuff. Father, seal these things in our heart. God, I pray that you would do something incredible in us. Thanks, God. Thanks. We ask it in your name. Amen. You've been listening to a presentation of Remnant. For more information, visit us online at remnantchurchiv.com. You built a mighty fortress.